Hi, I'm Jay Thomas, and welcome to Bald Tires, a proud member of the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. Today, my guest is the owner of Roland Steel, a really cool business on Avenue C in Saskatoon that specializes in building and fixing wheels and, of course, supplying tires. Darren Labonte joins me, and we're going to talk today about a couple of vehicles that Darren has owned twice and the story of so many cool GM vehicles in uh, in Darren's life that, uh, that have been a part of his life so far. In part two of the podcast that we're going to release next week, it's called Go Out and Buy an Old Car. In part two, we're going to talk about why it's so cool to drive an old car these days. Right now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the fun stories Darren's got for us. You're listening to Bald Tires, because when you make great memories, you make bald tires. The Saskatchewan Podcast Network is supported by Conexus. Does money spark joy in your life or cause you stress? If you said stress, you're not alone. For 42% of Canadians, their biggest stressor comes from money. At Conexus, they care about your financial well-being. Money doesn't have to be stressful, and Conexus is here to help. The Conexus hashtag money talk blog provides expert advice, tips, and solutions for all stages of life and events. Getting married, buying a house, budgeting, saving, they cover it all and more. And did I mention it's free? Check it out today at ConnexusMoneyTalk.ca and start feeling confident and stress-free about your money. The Saskatchewan Podcast Network is also supported by Direct West. Is marketing getting in the way of running your business? Things like updating your Google listing, thinking of a headline for your billboard, or making sure your website is in good shape? That's where Direct West comes in. You can get local expert marketing help for your business at DirectWest.com. All right, well, I find myself in a pretty cool place over on Avenue C in Saskatoon, and it's called Rolling Steel, and I got Darren here with me, who's the owner, but he's also a supercar guy. Darren, thanks for coming on the podcast with me. Well, thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Yeah, awesome. Okay, so uh, let, let's start with this. Um, Rolling Steel is a shop. We'll, we'll talk about this first. Rolling Steel is a shop that um, fixes wheels, custom makes wheels. You kind of do it all, right? Yeah, yeah, and pretty much anything wheel and tire related. Um, been doing it for a long time and very passionate about it and just thought I, Hey, let's try to make money doing it. So, yeah. And yeah. so how long has Rolling Steel been around? Uh, Rolling Steel was open for three years. August 1st was our three year oh, anniversary. Awesome. awesome. Um, I've been in the wheel entire business for just about 15. Yep. And before that I was in the auto body trade. So I've been around cars pretty much time. since the start. So. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, you guys said like, you know, I've, I've seen where you, you paint a wheel, change the color, but it gets, re- you know, really in depth what you guys can do with the machinery that's in this shop, just kind of sitting around us where you can like, you know, somebody likes, somebody likes a certain size, but they like that wheel. You can, you know, you can enlarge the wheel, so to speak, make it wider. We yeah. can change the, you know, the, the, the rim size of it. Yeah. Keep, keep the center, change out the outside, vice versa. Like it's sort of anything and everything. Yeah. In lots of cases we can do stuff like that. Um, lots of times guys need the upsize for tire choice or maybe to clear some brakes or, right. you know, there's lots of different reasons why guys do it. Some guys just really like a factory wheel with a really old factory hubcap, but they can't buy we- tires to fit it. So that's what we do we take it maybe from a 14 inch to a 15 inch yep tires are more readily 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 available you know stuff like that that's cool so yeah Yeah, and and you can supply all the tires too yeah exactly and we really like doing that kind of work because to me that's that's the most fun out of pretty much anything we do is when we get to build something from nothing or build modify something and make it work for a person so and then another big thing you guys do obviously is you know 
somebody's doing a parallel park and curves the curves the wheel and it you know yeah. looks like hell and and now you get you can fix it right yeah. i mean that's the other thing yeah big... you bet yeah we do lots of that i mean we've done it on people who have cars that are 20 years old and we did it for a guy just a couple weeks ago his car was about a day old oh no so yeah i've done it even for people in the past that literally scratched their wheels pulling out of the dealership parking lot <sighs> so you know and they're always very distraught when they come and <laughs> you know you just try to give them the peace of mind that it'll be like new and it's done and they're usually pretty good but. and it is and it is it, it's yeah. like you can make a, a rusty old wheel or a, an aluminum wheel that's got all that you know oxidization going on it looks like hell you can bring it right back to life yeah yeah you bet pretty cool yeah. now we're in saskatchewan but you're where did you grow up uh i was born in a small town in british columbia on vancouver island it's called port alberni cool so yeah that, that's kind of northern part of the island a little bit it's right? actually if you look at it on a map it's darn near exactly in the middle of the island in all directions except i guess you think when you think of going to the island like you know because everybody starts out kind of going to victoria yeah it's north of that right it is north of that yeah, yeah. and it's you know lots of people go to the island and they never see where i grew up because it's not on a main you have to kind of go uh, a little bit off the beaten path yep. to get there so, yeah, a lot of people don't know where it is. So were you still living in Port Alberni when you got your driver's license? Yes, I was. Yeah? yeah. I lived there till I was 18 and, well, 18 and a half, I think. So when do you think you kind of got into cars? Were you a little kid? Were I you a was, little older? I was always big into, like, I liked Transformers when I was a kid yeah. because they were cars. Yeah. And I liked Hot Wheels and all that kind of thing. So when I was a little kid, yeah, sure. I love that stuff. Yeah. Like, lots of, lots of kids did. But... For me, the first time a car really caught my attention, I was uh, probably 12 or 13. And my uncle, who is not here anymore, but he was a huge car guy as well. Um, he pulled into my grandparents' driveway in a 1978 gold Trans Am with a four-speed. <laughs> cool. And took me for a ride. Yeah. And I was pretty much hooked after that. And then it didn't make it any better because it wasn't very long after that. He traded that for a 78 Corvette, which I actually own now. You've got that Corvette. I got it. When he passed away, it was something that I ended up getting. Uh, so then he took me for a ride in that car. And well, Corvettes, you know, I've never been a big Corvette guy, but a Corvette is a Corvette. Yeah. And there's no other really car like a Corvette. No. Corvettes are just a Corvette. So... When he took me for a ride in it, this was like this amazing thing. And when I was 16, I got to drive it one time. <laughs> and uh, I didn't wreck it or anything, but I got to drive it one time. And I knew I was going to be cars for... <laughs> that was it. For my life, probably. That was... So. You were in. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. What did you take for your driver license, your, your driver exam? When I went for my road test, my dad had a 1969 Chevy C10 long box truck. It was an inline six automatic. It had no power steering, no power brakes. <laughs> I think the guy passed me when I tried to do the parallel parking. I think he passed me just because I was able to do it, period. It didn't matter that I was going to hit, that I hit the curb and it didn't matter anything else. He was just so impressed that I was able to turn the stupid thing with no power steering and drive it with no power brakes. That's hilarious. But, uh, yeah, it was... Uh, it like, was a like funny this is, truck, that This one. is into the 90s, I'm guessing? It would have been about 1994. Like, that's already an old truck. Oh, it was an old truck, yeah. For right? sure I mean, it's, old, it's really old now. Obviously, but he it's laughed. 50 years old, but... The instructor laughed when he came out to take me for my road <laughs> test. 
because we were walking and it was parked in the row and there was a much newer little Honda, I think, if I remember correctly, on parked kind of the next spot closer. And we're walking and as we're walking, he kind of veered like he was going to get into the passenger seat of the Honda. And I kind of went, no, no, it's the truck. And he just kind of went, <laughs> right? <laughs> Well, because he, he was like, really? And I said, yeah. So, of course, then he made me do a check of everything to make sure everything worked. Uh-huh. And I'm pretty sure the horn worked before that day, but it didn't work. And technically, he shouldn't have let me take the road test in it with no working horn. Sure. But he did. He but he was, did. He was good about it. But, <laughs> yeah, we only drove for about, I don't know, for about 10 minutes. And then he just told me, okay, now just back up in a straight line and parallel park and you're good. So I did. And That's it. Yeah, it was all good. So. so what was the first car? First car, actually, ironically enough, was a 1970 GMC half-ton truck. So okay. almost exactly the same truck. Yep. 400 bucks, rust holes in it everywhere. You could have <laughs> dropped. I did actually lose a bottle jack through one of the... One of them. It went right through. Right through the floor, yeah. I didn't even know it was missing probably for weeks until I had to change a tire and went to look behind the seat and it wasn't where it was sitting and there was a big hole there. <laughs> So I hope nobody hit it on the road. I always feel bad about it when I think about it, but uh, I didn't hear it fall out. So this is the truck you had. Like, how long did it last, this truck? I had that truck. Well, funny, because I bought it. It was 400 bucks, and I bought it, and I didn't even get to drive it home because tranny didn't work. I didn't test drive it or anything, <laughs> but I just liked it, so I bought it. And I didn't even get to drive it home. Had to get it towed home. Got another transmission. I drove that truck for... I don't know, six months probably. And, and like, then, you're 16 and you were already a guy who was like putting a transmission into a truck. Yeah, well, yeah. Like, my dad was pretty mechanically inclined at, at, when I was younger and he usually, I mean, my my family never had lots of money growing up. Yep. My dad had to fix stuff. Yep. That's just how it was. Couldn't and my family to go to too. Mechanic. Yeah. So, you know, he learned. And so, you know, he laid underneath the truck with me and showed me where the bolts go and showed me how to do it. And, you know, and I, that was the first transmission I ever did, but it certainly wasn't the last. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I only had it for six months. And then I was like, got this brainiac idea. Somebody wanted, wanted my truck for reasons I still don't understand <laughs> and traded me a, or like 1980 Firebird for it. A Firebird? A Firebird, yeah. As plain Jane as you could get a Firebird. So you're 16 and six months and you got a Firebird. Yeah. Oh, I thought I was... I was a pretty important hot person, shit, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was hot. It was uh, <laughs> it was as about as plain Jane a Firebird as you could get, like a six cylinder Firebird. No, it was still V eight, but at the smallest V eight you could get, it was an eighty. So it had the I always called the Darth Vader front end on it. Oh yeah, uh -huh. the, the, yeah. The, it was one of the ugliest front ends on them. Um, automatic, small V eight, wood grain dash. No gauges, just a couple dummy lights. Like it was a very plain Jane. It actually didn't even have a spoiler from factory. Oh, it really? was a non-spoiler car that yep. someone had put a spoiler on. But uh, but it was the paint was really nice on it, and that was the only reason why I traded because <laughs> my other truck was rusty. So and yeah, I only had that for six months, and then I think the motor went in it or something. But so you've had like you've had have you had have you had a ton of cars? Oh my You're one goodness. of those people that had a ton I'm of cars. I'm one of those people that I couldn't count on all my fingers and toes how many cars I've had. And that's just the like classic cars. That's not even counting the all the daily driver stuff that I've owned. Yeah. I've had tons of cars. So and they, not to be biased, but just about everything's been GM. As I've a, always just been a GM. I'm I'm convinced that well, I'm a GM guy because my grandpa and my dad were GM guys. If mm -hmm. they'd been Ford guys, I'd be a Ford guy. I yep. think that's how it works. I really do. <laughs> um, I believe it's that. It's not very often that you'll find someone that like 
their dad had Fords his whole life, but he just he's a Chevy guy through and through. It's not, it doesn't happen. You know often. what I think it is? I think it's that we grow up respecting these people in our lives. You know, they, yeah. they're people we look up to, our, our dads, our, our, you know, our parents in general. Of course, yeah. our moms too. But so we value the decision that they made. For sure. You know, so they, if they think that's a good vehicle or they, they're a fan of that brand, we respect them and we respect their choices. And I think that's why we inherit that. Yeah. Sort of in that way. For sure. You know, I, I believe that too, for sure. It's funny because my, my grandpa being a Chevy guy, he never bought anything new. One of the first things he ever had new brand new was his 1984 before truck, which I now have. Yeah. I've seen that one. It's cool. <laughs> yeah. But it's so funny because when I finally was going to get the truck, um, cause it went to my uncle who passed away, but, but I finally got the truck a few years before my uncle passed away. Um, when I went home to get it, I had to trailer it back to Saskatchewan because it did really wasn't in a condition to be driving it that far. Yeah. I remember lo- loading it up on the trailer and then we went to my grandparents' house for dinner the night before we were leaving to come home back to Saskatchewan. And my grandpa's looking out the window with me and he goes, you know, I don't even know why you even like that thing. It wasn't even a good truck. <laughs> he'd had, he'd, he'd always had motor issues with it and other little stupid things with it. But I said to him, I said, you know, grandpa, it's not about what the truck is. It could have been a Dodge or a Ford. It wouldn't have mattered. I said, it, it, it's the memories that I have in the truck that make it special to me. Totally it. So yeah, you know, me and him going hunting and fishing and you know just going even on a sunday to the market to go do whatever when i was a kid yeah and it's got a really squeaky clutch pedal and it makes the same sound every time you push a clutch Mm -hmm. in i think it's pretty inherent on those trucks Mm -hmm. but every time i drive that truck and i hear that squeak it takes me back to going somewhere with grandpa doing something totally and you know and you know, he drove that truck everywhere. That truck's been to Alaska a handful of times. Cool. It's been all over. The odometer's gone around. I don't even know how many times. But, and it's, it's you know, it's hardly perfect. But it's Grandpa's truck, and it always will be. And, yep. You know, it's one of those things. And that's that's the same reason, you know, that I've got I've, I've my big old Buick, you know. And it Buick's is what my grandpa had. And, and so it was almost kind of a tribute in a yeah. way, you know, he'd already passed away when I, when I bought it and it's not, certainly not the car he owned, Yeah. but it's kind of would have been a car he could have owned. And, yeah. and that's sort of why I kind of, you know, enjoy it that way. Yeah. For so sure. I, I totally get why, you know, yeah. why you, why you're a GM guy, you know, oh, yeah. that's, and it's just how it is. And you know, I GM, I like working on them because so much stuff's interchangeable for so many years. It's so easy. Like. I don't even know how many times I've been like, oh man, I need this stupid little bracket and I'm working on a 1960 something, Yeah. but I owned three 1980 somethings and, oh, wait a minute, that bracket is exactly the same except for this one little part that I can cut off. I'm going to cut it off and repaint it and, oh, look at that, I have the bracket I need. So and you're, what you're kind of saying is they built the same car for like 40 years. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I wouldn't say that, but... But you know, know yeah, you know, they definitely so much stuff interchanged. Yeah, and, oh yeah, and I always love that about it. And you know, to be quite honest, if you're going to build an old car, a Chevy or GM car is probably one of the cheapest cars you'll build. Well, and there's a, I mean, there's probably a reason too that you know the Chev 350 is just what goes into a hot rod. Yeah, right. Oh yeah, they're plentiful. Their their parts are interchangeable. Yeah. There's a billion of them out there. You can still get the crate engine. There's, it was in everything for so long. Well, you know, there's a reason why. I don't know. Am I being 
Am I exaggerating a little bit to say that 50% of Ford hot rods got Chevy small blocks in them? Well, I don't know there's what the number a reason is, but the, you're, you're not wrong, right? It, it happens lots. Yeah, you it, know? there's a reason for it. And it's only in the recent years that you've started to see a lot more stuff come out with Ford power plants, like guys building stuff with Ford power plants. Because Ford, I think, finally, the aftermarket has been stepping up now with other manufacturers. Mm -hmm. Like, you can buy, you can build a Chevy small block engine for pennies in comparison to a lot of these other engines like yep. i even have oldsmobiles and pontiacs and you can't build an oldsmobile on a pontiac engine for what you can build a small block chevy yep. engine for you that's just can't right. even come close that's right yep. so i mean it, it totally makes sense why yep. it's like that for sure totally so a whole slew of cars and so what's what's the story in between sort of 16 and when you moved you left left bc when uh i left bc when i was what year was that 2000, the 2000. Fall, fall of 2000. So okay, I would have so been like 1920, something like that. Yeah. 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 I got a brainiac idea in my head that, oh, I'm going to go to Alberta and make money like everyone else does. Okay. Yeah. yeah I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It didn't work out that way. But, uh, what were but you, I did learn some stuff. What so. were you going to do in Alberta? Well, my plan was initially, so I was pumping gas at a gas station and so I had three part-time jobs in BC. Yep. Thinking to myself. This is stupid. Yeah, I've got some money in the bank, but I have no time to do anything with it. So I, at the time, had, my I had a 1969 Oldsmobile Cutlass, which I still own. Yeah. And my buddy that I'd gone to school with, had right after high school, had moved to Alberta to live with his dad. And he kept hounding me. Just get your stuff and come out. There's so much work. There's so much work. Okay, so I loaded everything I owned into my Cutlass, which wasn't very much. <laughs> it, Cutlass isn't a big car. No, so. not a huge car. I did fill the trunk, but that was about it. Yeah. And uh, put winter tires on the car because it was going in November, and I thought to myself, I'm going to be smart and put winter tires in the car. Yeah. Didn't think about putting a carpet in the car for the steel bare steel floor <laughs> or anything. Didn't think about any of that kind of thing, but I thought, I'm going to put tires on so I won't get stuck. Drove to Alberta, and I immediately regretted not having a carpet in the car by the time December rolled around. Well, I was going to say, so you drove it like, yeah, okay, we'll get to yeah. that in a second, but yeah. So so you moved to Alberta. Yeah, moved to Alberta and uh, couldn't find a job. Nobody wanted to hire me because uh, I didn't know anything. I was young. I didn't yeah. know anything. I knew how to pump gas. So I ended up getting a job pumping gas and driving really way too far to work and not making any money because I was spending it all driving to work. <laughs> so yeah. It, so that lasted about six weeks and I was like, said to my buddy, I said, you know what, man, I'm just going to go home. I said, this is dumb. I'm not making any money here. I can probably get my old job back and at least I'd have an income. Yeah. And so he said, Oh, don't do that, man. I'll help you out. So he went and talked to his dad who worked at this hot rod shop in Alberta, just outside Edmonton. And his dad talked to the boss and the boss got me, phoned me and told me to come for an interview. So I did. And I, he hired me. Cool. And it was 10 bucks an hour, I think at the time, which was better than the minimum wage. Yep. And uh, yeah, so I started out and I was started out by just sandblasting stuff for the, for the hot rod shop. That was where I started. So they were doing, you were kind of helping with body work. Yeah. Just yeah. sandblasting. Like sometimes they need to frame sandblast right. it or whatever. It's in you pieces. Know. Yeah. You know, I learned how to do, I can Paul, I do stainless repair and polishing and stuff oh, like cool. that yeah. and that's where i learned how to do it so i they i spent a bunch of weeks i don't remember six weeks or something like that um doing all the stainless on a 59 cadillac limousine 
There's Whoa. A, there's a lot of stainless on a car that size. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, it was a lot of work, but I learned lots and, and I learned how to do other stuff. And actually, my Oldsmobile that I still have today, I painted there. Well, that you were at that shop. Yeah, it was the first car I'd ever painted in a real paint booth. So that wasn't spray bombs. That's yeah. pretty cool. <laughs> I've done lots of those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I learned some stuff. That's cool. Yeah. So you had your olds at that point, right? Yeah. You're working at the shop. How do you get to Saskatchewan? <laughs> um, Stupidity is the word that comes to mind most of the time. <laughs> but uh, but I love my son to death. But uh, I met his mom. She was visiting f- somebody that she knew in in the same town that I was living in, which is Spruce Grove, Alberta. Well, she turns out that the friend that she came with knew the people I was rooming and boarding at. Like, it was a total fluke. Yeah. And so we kind of hung out that first weekend she was there, and then it just snowballed from there. Cool. And when she... It didn't make sense for me to... For her to move there and then us have no family support when she was pregnant or anything. So mm-hmm. we just... Made, I made the decision, well, I guess I'm moving to Saskatchewan. My mom was pissed. She was already mad I went to Alberta, but now I'm going to another province away. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, and to boot, to boot now she's going to have a grandson. She's got to have to spend a bunch of money to go see. Uh-huh. But, uh, yeah, so I moved here, and, you know, that was 20 years ago now. Yeah, so. okay. Yeah. So at, you, had the, you had the olds from then. Yeah. Is there any other cars that you had then that you still have now? I mean, we're talking about the truck that came from grandpa, right? Well, the stupid part is, is that I sold the Oldsmobile uh, about two years after I moved here. (laughs) So I don't even know if it was two full years. Actually, it might not have been. It might've been only about a year and a half. So what you're saying is like, had your son and well, I had car a, seats so got to go somewhere. I had kind of a thing. son, and so the first thing, car seat doesn't fit in the back of a 1969 Oldsmobile if it's a two door. <laughs> the rear facing car seat does not fit in one of those no. facing in the rear. So he always had to, it was a bench seat car at least, so he always rode in the middle in the front. Well, that's not exactly the safest place for a baby either, <laughs> especially in an old car. So I ended up trading the car for a pickup truck. Okay. So I then it was a short box Chevy truck, an '80s short box Chevy truck. So I traded the car for that, and uh, drove that truck for I don't know a year, two years, or something like that. And then I ended up trading, and and then during and then I traded that truck for a a '67 Chevy truck, an older truck, which I liked way more. And then I realized that after I did it, that well, the '80s truck had a really good heater and I could actually drive that thing all the year round. And the 67 truck has a crappy heater, crappy tires, <laughs> crappy suspension. Cause it was lowered. This isn't going to be the truck I want to drive around the winter. So I ended up buying a daily driver for cheap. Yeah. And that's, and, and I've pretty much had two vehicles ever since at least two vehicles. Yeah. Ever since, but yeah. that's where it started sort of sp- getting out of control. I want to say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How many cars do you own right now? Right now I have, if I include everything that I own that has wheels, I have. Oh, I have to think about like five. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's five. Five. Yeah. So there's the old, the Oldsmobile. There's uh, the Pontiac. Yeah, my '71 Firebird. Yeah. I've got my '84 before truck that was Grandpa's. Yeah. The '78 Vet that was. Your uncle's. Um, my uncle's, and. My my eight 2018 Chevy truck. That's my five. That's your five there. So yeah. 
<laughs> okay, so what's the rest of the story with the olds? Because you got rid of it. So I sold it. To get, at, to get this series of trucks yeah, and, and kind of move and into so, some boring daily vehicles. Yeah, well, and I had this 67 truck, and then I sold that, and I had a 67 Beaumont, and then I sold that, and I had a 53 truck, and then I sold that, and had a 71 Le Mans, and then I sold that, and had a 65 Beaumont, and then I sold that, and had a 70 GTO, <laughs> and then I, you know, it just, just, it just goes on and on and on. So the Cutlass I sold, and... I didn't, and it ended up going to a guy or a trade it for this truck. And that guy ended up pulling some bits and pieces off of it. He just basically pulled, wanted it for the wheels for his 69 also wheel. Okay. So he put the wheels that were on it onto his car and then he sold the car and he sold it to this young kid who only drove it for like six months or something like that. And then he wrecked the motor in it. So then it sat in his mom's garage for eight years. So, but it turned out that I worked with the guy that bought the car. I worked with his buddy. So I okay. figured, found out where the car was. So you worked with his buddy and you just happened to talk about like yeah, sitting I at showed what? him a picture of the car one day and, and he's, he's like, like, that's my buddy's car. And I'm like, well, who's your buddy? And he's like, oh, my buddy, Dan, has got this car and it's a color. Well, it's that color. Because it's like, it's a kind of a specific color combination. Yeah, it is. Right. It's, it's silver. It's 2000 Ferrari silver. And then it has House of Colors blue candy on, on it. So, so it's, it's not like it's original colors that it could yeah. just be one of every, like there's, you know. 30,000 burgundy ones out there or something like that. Yeah, it's you kind of a, it sort of specifically. Yeah, and it's a one-off kind of car. It doesn't look like any other 69 Cutlass when you go to a car show. So, so some guy, so this guy you're working with goes, I know that car. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So then his buddy happens to come in one day and I'm like, you're down? He says, yeah. He says, you want to sell your car? Because I knew that it wasn't running and it was been sitting in the scratch for a couple of years already by that time. No, no, I got big plans for the car. I got big plans for the car. Okay, but if you ever want to sell, let me know. And every time I would buy and sell one of my classic cars, when I had all the money in my hand, the first thing I would always do is be like, Dan, you want to sell your car? No, big plans, big plans, big plans. Okay. And I'd go buy something else. Yeah. And then when I'd sell it, I'd, you know, a year later, year and a half later, hey, Dan, you want to sell your car? <laughs> no, 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 big plans, big plans, big plans. And then finally, right after I sold my, uh, sold my, because the Trans Am or the Firebird, the 71, I've owned twice as well. So right after I sold that, I had a little bit of money. And Dan comes to me one day and he says, okay, my mom sold her house and I'm not going to have the storage for it anymore. Mm -hmm. And I don't want it to sit outside at my house. So he says, bring me what I paid for it when I bought it and come and get it. Really? I didn't even hesitate for a second. I asked him how much. I went, I got the money, and I went, like, within hours. I didn't give him any chance to change his mind. Yep. I went within hours. I went with a buddy. We went, and we towed it out of his garage and away. Gone. <laughs> as fast as I could. With a blown motor. With a, with a, well, it had a blown motor, and he'd pulled that motor out and put a 455 Oldsmobile engine in it, but it had never ran. It just was sitting in there. So what, what, it wasn't a 455 car when it was new? No. No. It was a 350 car. 350 car. Yeah. Okay. So minus the, the wheels that should have been on it. Yeah. And a bigger engine in it. Yeah. Which is okay. Yeah. Would no. have been. Would have been? If it was a good motor. But it wasn't a very good motor. It <laughs> ran, but it wasn't a very good motor. Okay. The motor that he blew up was an awesome motor. It had been rebuilt before I bought the car. Oh. So it was disappointing. But Yeah. Yeah. So you get this thing back. Yeah. I mean, it's on the road now. So like... Well, I get it back and it's like... The interior wasn't super great when I sold it. It needed to be redone. So, yeah. was, so now it's got eight years of sitting in some guy's garage so it smells like it's been sitting in a garage <laughs> and it's dirty and the car's been a shelf for eight years oh, yeah. so it's got new scrap like as i had painted it when i lived in 
right in alberta so the paint was pretty nice when i sold it but now the paint's all scratched and it's got little dings here and there on the trim and stuff that it never had before and so it was a little rough around the edges but it only took me about 45 minutes and i had it running so oh my god yeah so i actually drove it that same day so you should have drove it back to his house and just waved hey like i, I thought about it but then i thought you know i'm not going to be a jerk about it <laughs> so but wow yeah. so yeah and then I've, I've had it since so and that was like 2000 and that would have been about 2009 you put some carpet into it i ended up buying i bought a full interior out of a parts car from a guy in calgary no it way. Was seats door panels and it had all been redone in the 90s. So it was all that real fancy tweed that they were oh, using boy. big in the 90s. Yeah, yeah. It was ugly as sin. It's still in the car now. It's ugly as sin. But it wasn't all torn up. Yeah. So it was still better than what I had. So I just put it in it. So yeah, yeah it has a carpet. It's got a carpet. <laughs> but I don't drive it in the winter anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> and this car, like, I know you kind of got some projects on the go. We'll get into that in a second. But this yeah. car, you're gonna, it's sort of slated to be kind of redone and rebuilt. It will be. Eventually. I brought my son home from the hospital in that car. I have a picture of me standing next to the car with him in the baby carrier the day he came home uh, from cool. the hospital. So it has a little bit of, I was, I didn't want to sell it way back in the day. It was not, I was very disappointed. It was not something I wanted to do. Yeah. And now that it's back, the plan was eventually to give it to him at some point in his life when he's ready. Yep. Um, it, He's a 19-year-old kid. I don't know if he'll ever be ready. But uh, but that was the kind of the plan. But it'll He'll come be, around. I, I'm going to keep it for yeah for, forever. Cause, and it will be restored. It needs to be restored now. It's been another 20 years since it was painted. Sure, yeah. So it needs to be restored. So that's the plan anyway. But now you're in a spot where you can do those kind of things, which well, is cool. You know? Hope, yeah. Yeah, that's... Yeah. That's cool. I mean, and it's got so much history with you. It came from BC yeah. with you, and, and it's kind of it's come back to you. That's a yeah. cool story. Yeah. No. There's there's also a cool story with your Firebird. because So this car is, what year again? It's 71. 71. And if you've been around the Saskatoon sort of car show circuit, you've probably seen it. And it's sort of like shiny on the bottom and yeah. not so shiny on the top. <laughs> yeah. It's that, got a neat story. That poor car has been, I feel so bad for that car. Because, you know, it's the life that car has lived, like, oh, I don't even know what I could, comp like, if you compare it to a person's life, like. So it's kind of like Herbie the Love Bug at the end of the movie, he's in two pieces, oh, and then they put him back together again, oh, right? So when I bought the car initially, it was about 2010, and uh, 2010, 2011, around there, and I bought the car, and I bought it out of BC, out of Kelowna. Me and some friends drove all night to go get this stupid car. Is it just because it's the only one you could find what, like it or I what? I always wanted that generation of Firebird. Yeah. And this one was supposed to be running and driving and in really good condition. It's supposed to be a solid car. It was from the United States. It was brought up. Yeah. So it's supposed to be this really solid car. But it had a T-top roof on it, which is not stock for that car. Somebody had to put it in. But it was supposedly, according to the ad, it was done really well, and you'd never even know that it was not factory kind of thing. So I okay, thought so to myself... What's the history? T-Tops didn't come out till... 76 is... Pretty sure 76 is the first year, and that, but that time it was an aftermarket thing installed by the Hearst company. That's why they're called Hearst Tops. Okay. And then in 78? I think it's 78. Is when... 77 or 70... I can't remember. Halfway through 77 or something like that. They... Fisher, who made the bodies for the cars, yep. built the cars with 
the option for T-tops. Right. Some of the cars had T-tops. But this is a 70... It's a 71. One. So it's way before any of that Yeah, pre-T-top wasn't... I don't even know if T-tops were a thought in some guy's brain at the time. Right. But um, somebody had taken the roof off of a probably a late 70s, probably... I'm thinking about a 79 and put it onto this car. And the story that I got was... The car was at the body shop getting work done to it in Oregon because this was when this happened was all when it was down in the States. Yeah. And the roof of the business caved in under a heavy snow one winter while the car was there being worked on and the roof was damaged and insurance was paying to repair the roof and repairing the roof was going to mean replacing it because it was that badly damaged. And the owner of the car had a parts car. And was like, well, I want T-tops in my car. So they put, the roof's got to be replaced. Yeah, put they're doing in. it anyway. Anyway, so they did this swap. And the problem is, is that the car's not designed to not have a roof because of its age. Because it's pre-T-top era car. Be- because in reality, like T-tops are a roof. But it's really just a bar yeah. from the, the top of the windshield yeah. frame to the top of the frame that kind of runs around the back window. Yeah, exactly. It's just a, just a sort of a piece in the middle. It doesn't yeah. do anything else. Yeah, because the, 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 the tops themselves give the car no strength. No. The glass tops give the, no strength. So it's relying on this little bar in the middle. But those, new, those newer ones that came with T-Tops from factory, all the rest of the car is reinforced to design to not have that roof. Basically, it's either a convertible or a T-Top. The bottom is built the same. Right, like yeah. it would have been a yeah. reinforced like, the like bottom. Whether, the... Yeah, whether it was a whether it was a hardtop car or a t-top car, the rest of the car was all built the same. But at, in that, by the time that generation of car was being built, yeah. the whole car had been reinforced with that in mind. Yes. Whereas the older car was not. So they had done some stuff like they put subframe connectors in it and things to try to stiffen it up. But that car was dangerously not like dangerously flexible let's call it really yeah it was like if you jacked it up in the wrong spot it would bend the t-bar because the floor wasn't strong enough and i had the stupid thing all ready to paint it back in back when i painted it when i first owned it because i didn't like it was black and i didn't want it black so i painted a different color um i had it all ready for paint and was actually jacking it up to take the wheels off to paint it because i always take the wheels off everything when i paint it and i bent the t-bar in it and i had to fix it before I could paint the car. Holy. So I'm thrashing to paint, the, to fix it before I painted the car. So I ended up fixing it. But the r- method I used to fix it was, uh, I talked to my paint rep at the time and he said, oh, well, the new Fords have this expandable foam. They are putting in all their pillars, A pillars and everything that keep, makes them quieter and stronger. Ah. Oh, okay, let's try that. So he got me some and I put it in. But the problem was, is, is that the type of foam that I got was porous and absorbed water open cell open, open cell, cell foam yeah so it worked i could like jack that car anywhere and it would lift the whole car off the ground pretty much so like, it, was it, solid. it stiff stiffened the car right up but when i sold the car the one of the t-tops was leaking a little bit and the car after i was didn't own it anymore sat outside for many 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 years uncovered because i didn't own it for about eight years in between and the whole time Anytime it rained or snowed and water was on the car, it went inside and the foam soaked it up. So it actually rotted the roof from the inside out. (laughs) I've never seen a roof on a Firebird ever as rotten as that one was when I got it back. It was so bad that you could grab the A-pillar, which is the one that goes around the windshield, and you could move it with your hand up and down. It just moved that much. The car was completely a death trap. So I got a parts car with it when I got it back that had a full roof. So... 
So, took, so it's had its roof taken off again. Yeah, it's had its roof off twice since it was brand new. <laughs> so, but now it's repaired correctly. Yeah, and I and it's a full roof car now. It's not a T-top car. It's a full roof like it would have been factory. Yeah, and it was all done at all the factory joints. Like even with the interior out of the car, you pretty much cannot tell that it, the roof has ever been off the car. The guy that did it for me, I, I would have done it probably myself, except that I was like, you know what? I don't really have enough experience doing this. Uh -huh. Plus, I don't have a lot of time right now. I got a guy that's amazing doing metal work and body work. I got him to do it, and he uh, did an awesome job. It only took him like three days. He was awesome. It wow. was amazing. He just did it super fast. And the car is 10 times the car now that it ever was before. Yep. Um, purely because it has the proper roof on it now. So <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. And so it's just like you sold the car, it sat, you got it back, yeah, fixed it properly. Now it's just a matter of paint job. Yeah, because so the the hood was one of the other problems with the car was it had a lot of body filler in it when I bought the car. Okay. And from sitting outside all those years, the body filler cracked and, you know, came Water apart. Water gets and, underneath, rusts, yeah. yeah, all yeah, that stuff. So the hood was no good. So I actually, it's actually a formula Firebird. So it's the one that has the big scoops on the, like ram air scoops on yep, the hood. Yeah, those nostrils kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. So I found the right hood for the car and put it on, but it was also the wrong color. So when I primed the roof, just to protect the roof, yep. I primed the hood the same color. So it's a, the car looks like it's purposely two-toned, but it's actually not. <laughs> so. But the plan is to paint it, I'm hoping, over this winter. So Now, there's one more car we got to talk about that you're you're working on. It's been in the shop here before, and I think it's your wife's car? Yeah, it's, yeah. Here, it's actually here it's now. It's here right now. Yeah. So what's the story behind that, and, well, and, and what is it? So that car was, um, it's a long story, but I she really wanted a Nova, and we couldn't find a Nova in her price range that wasn't a piece of garbage. So then she decided she wanted a 68 Cutlass, which is one year older than my Cutlass. They look very similar. So, cause, and she wanted it because Brent Butt had one in Corner Gas and she really liked it. So <laughs> awesome. now she's got to have it. So, okay. So trying to find one. Well, they're just about as hard to find as a Nova. Well, they are harder, I think. But I found one in BC. So I drove all the way to BC with a friend to go pick this car up. There's like a theme here, I think. Yeah, yeah. I know. And, <laughs> you know, so I drive all the way there, go to look at this car. Well, it's not nearly as nice as the guy let on. And the pictures he took were very strategic and, you know, wasn't super great. Yeah. And, but I'd driven all that way and through the night and, uh, and it was cheap enough. And I just thought to myself, you know what? I'll just make it work. So I paid the guy and we loaded on the trailer and drove it home and I had to change the motor cause motor was no good. And the guy did get it running and moving under its own power. And I was taking it down the little road in front of my house and something kept falling in my eyes and I couldn't figure out what it was. And I realized that it was rust coming from the roof, but I couldn't figure out why. And then I stuck my hand up above the, where the headliner was and my fingers went right through and I could touch the windshield glass where there shouldn't be able to touch the windshield glass and that whole top edge of the roof where the windshield sits in was gone there was just nothing there oh my god the only thing the only, i couldn't see it because the chrome trim was still on stainless the stainless, stainless rust looked, yeah, yeah stainless looked good but in behind there was almost mm -hmm. nothing there was only like two little spots holding the stainless trim on if i'd have driven it on the highway it would probably flown on flown right off <laughs> so then i was like holy crap this car needs a roof plus it needed some other rust repair and uh, so then i was like well uh, I'm just going to put a hold on this since we're going to make some decisions. Yeah. And 
lo and behold, at the same time, another one popped up in Edmonton for sale. No. That was supposed to be running and driving and looked very good in the pictures. So I phoned the guy and asked him a bunch of questions about it. And it had some frame damage, which was why it was for sale, because they couldn't find anybody to fix it there. Uh, so the price was right. So I loaded up the trailer on the truck <laughs> and drove to Edmonton and picked this car up. And it drove onto the trailer and it actually ran really good and everything. But it needed I knew it needed some frame repair and brought it back and took it to the only frame guys I would trust with anything. And uh, even they said, you know, it's not that it's not fixable, but it's going to cost you so much to fix it because practically the whole car pretty much has to come apart to fix it. Right. You might as well, if you can find another frame, you can. You might as well just change the frame and be done with it. Mm-hmm. Well, I already had another frame as a backup for my Oldsmobile. So I already had the frame. Yeah. So it was really not that big of a deal. Cool. So, but it turned into a, it's almost a nut and bolt restoration now because it, I couldn't just take the body off and then put it onto this frame that wasn't painted yeah so now paint the frame well now the paint frame's all painted well i can't put all these old control arms and suspension pieces back (laughs) on so then it's paint those and fix those well i can't put them all back in with old bushings and ball joint well all new parts here and so now it's like every nut and bolts just about but well every nut and bolt's been out of the frame yeah and all the suspension pieces are all basically new. And then, yeah, and then the wiring and the brake well, lines. Well, that's the... what I mean, right? It just snowballed. And so now it's this, it, the body is now back on the frame. It didn't need any floor work. Like all the, all the floor pans were very nice in the car. Um, it needs a little bit of all the, all the main body work is now done except for the body of the car, the, 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 the roof, the quarter panels. Yep. That's basically all that's left. The trunk and the fenders and the doors and the hood is actually just about done now, but everything else is basically done, but it's like, it runs now. The motor's been out. I resealed it. I painted. It's all, that part's all done, but yeah, it's just kind of been stalled because the shop's been so busy that I haven't had any time to work on it. So. Not a bad problem to have. Not a terrible problem to have, but definitely a pain because now I'm tripping over the stupid thing because it's here. <laughs> but yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah. There's one more car you've told me about before that although it's probably the least impressive car in your family's history, it is for other reasons. And it's that <laughs> there's it's a car your mom had. Yeah. Well, after my parents got divorced, she didn't have a car. My dad got the car in the divorce, so she needed a car. So my uncle actually got her a 60, I was about a 67 Buick Skylark. Oh, okay. Um, I think it was an inline six car. It was nothing but a nightmare, that thing. She had so much trouble with it, and it was like eight colors, like because it had a different fender, different hood, and the body had three different colors on it. It was already pretty old, too. It was an old car, but it was all she had money. She only had like 500 bucks, and that's what she paid for the car. And she worked at the Chevy dealership at the time. So she drove this thing to work, and after about two weeks of driving it to work, the guys in the body shop came up to her, and they said, you can't drive that to her anymore. Looking, looking <laughs> like you can't drive that thing. Looks, to a dealership it looks this. terrible. You work at a dealership and that's all we can pay. We can afford to pay you as you drive that piece of crap. <laughs> and she was like, well, that's all I can, All I have. She says, well, you have to, you have to leave it here for the weekend. So she did. And she took a, I don't know, one of their loaner cars home for the weekend or whatever. Well, they had it. They had paint left over from something they had painted and they painted it for her. 
Aww. They just sanded it quick and painted it. It was not taped even off, shiny. It was just a flat color. Yeah. They masked it off quick and painted it. They painted it the brightest yellow color I'd ever seen in my life. <laughs> and then just for giggles, they had the stencil. They stenciled Z28 down the side oh, like a no. 1980 Camaro. Oh, no. Yeah, so it had this, the black, two black stripes down the bottom of the side and Z28 on the, on the back of it. And she got a kick out of that anyway. But she drove that for a little while longer. But it mechanically, it was just it was it was just rough. Coming apart. Always coming apart. It was always it wouldn't start or it would quit or the alternator didn't work yeah. or we'd be driving somewhere and the headlights would turn off or get too dim. She couldn't see. Wow, at that point, that's it's an old car. At that it point. is very old at that time. Even then, so finally, she's like, got to do something. So, I guess she'd been saving money as much as she could. So working at the dealership, she got a bit of a deal. So it was 1990. And she bought a brand spanking new Chevy Sprint. <laughs> and Even the like, words coming out of your mouth is kind of funny. I know. It's like $8,000 brand new. Two-door? Four-door. Four-door Four door hatch. Hatchback, five-speed standard. Three, um, three cylinder or the four? Three. The three. Yeah, whatever it was, 1.2 liters yeah. or one liter or something. Like that. It was one, little, I, think it, I think they were a one yeah. liter three cylinder. Little tiny little engine. I think the engine. four cylinder was a 1.2 or yeah. whatever. Little but, tiny little engine anyway. Sewing machine. But she loved that car because it only cost about $25 if to fill it with premium fuel at the time. I think the <laughs> gas price was about $59.9 at the time, six, 60 cents a liter. It was about 25 bucks to fill it. And she could go, like, if all she did was go back and forth to work, she'd go for, like, three weeks on yep. that. And it would still have fuel. We would go all over Vancouver Island with it, and it would burn pennies. Like, it was just crazy. No, it didn't have a lot of power. It had zero options. It didn't even have a stereo radio in it when it she bought it. It was a radio delete car. radio delete car. She actually, the dealership put one in for her, an aftermarket one for her. So, no air conditioning. No air. No, like, manual windows. Yeah. Manual locks. Yeah, no manual cruise seats, control. No cruise. No intermittent wipers. Nothing. Like, as plain Jane as you could Probably much no car. rear defrost. Yeah. Uh, no, it did have rear defrost. Oh, lucky. Um, but a lot of those cars came two-toned. So they came with a little, uh, it was deckled down the below the belt molding on the doors. Yep. And it was usually gray. The car was red or blue or yellow, whatever color. Yeah. It was like gray. And it usually said sprint. Sure. But it kind of cut out. But because the she had got it, it never had that installed. It was deleted on that. So they gave her the option to have it done and they did it for free. So, but, and she could have whatever it say, whatever she wanted on the side. <laughs> okay. So she got hot shot put, put in there. And at the top of the letters was like a little flame. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. And it was, it was funny, but she loved that car. I remember getting frozen out of it in the winter cause it would rain and then we'd get like a zero night and then it would, you we couldn't get in it. I'd have to go in through the hatch because none of the doors would open because they'd freeze shut. But, uh, you know, it was, but it was a good car. And she drove that car from 1990 to 2005. Whoa. Yeah. And she put, she rebuilt the motor twice in it. Oh my gosh. Because she did the math and figured out that. Cheaper. Compared to a car payment. Yep. It was still cheaper to just rebuild, rebuild it and that keep driving engine. it. So, and then when she was done with it, she gave it to my aunt and my aunt drove it off and on for a couple years too oh my god and then after that my uncle got it and he drove it for a little bit before it finally was so rusty that it had to go away <laughs> <laughs> a friend of mine had one of those in high school yeah the four-door hatch yeah i think it was the pontiac firefly the yeah, pontiac the version of that of it, yeah still just as basic it was kind of a little electric it was actually like a cool color like kind of an electric blue color yep. and like we'd pile 
I'd ask for a ride home because they kind of live just a couple blocks from us from high school. And like I was, I was already a big kid then in high school, and we like she'd be driving it. And there'd be like five or six people in this car. Yeah. And behind St. Joe's High School that I went to, there were these big speed bumps. Hey. Yeah. And she'd go flying down. We'd all be piling <laughs> and flying. And like there'd be sparks coming out of the back of this thing. The muffler would hit the ground. Yeah. You know. Um. It man. It would. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah. It's funny how like the sometimes the the funniest little vehicles are the yeah. ones that stick out in your mind the most they leave the biggest yeah. the smallest goofiest little car leaves the biggest impression well the stupidest you know? part probably about that whole thing is is the car that i got my first speeding ticket in was that car <laughs> <laughs> yeah you'd be hard yeah. pressed to break the speed limit yeah. in that car i'd had a stunting ticket before that but the speeding that was i got a in bc at the time uh when i was uh when i was just out of high school shortly before i moved uh, photo radar was a big thing. They had oh, yeah. these vans. They'd park on the side of the road, just in random places, and you'd pass it. And if you're speeding, you get you'd get a picture taken and you get a ticket. And yeah, I got a stupidest part was is when I was going the other way, I saw the van there and totally forgot about it coming back. And I was doing like <laughs> eight kilometers an hour over the speed limit or something like that, and got a speeding ticket. But that was my first speeding ticket was in that car, <laughs> stupid three cylinder Sprint. Like I'd had, and by that time I'd already had a Trans Am and all this other stuff. But I got a speeding ticket in that car. That's hilarious. Yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> and it's a goofy little car, you know. Yeah, they were, they were they funny were, things. They were very, very cheaply made. They were designed to get you back and forth to work and nothing else. Yeah. And, you know, like if you, and, you know, they were good for that. But my mom took that thing on trips and all over the place. And you know, she went everywhere in it because it was her only car. But uh, it lasted a long time. She definitely got her money out of it. Like, for my what God, she paid, yeah. She definitely got her money out of it. The car she bought afterwards didn't last as long. Really? Yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> and she, I mean, when you own it from brand new, she took very good care of it. Sure. Yeah. And she worked at the dealership. Oh, so yeah. Like, like she, no but she did oil changes and always ran premium fuel in it. And she got 150,000 out of the first engine. And then the second engine, she only got about 60 the second time. And then the third time, I think it only got, but she was re- having it 40, rebuilt. Right. But, and, and actually, if you talk to any Chevy tech, those engines were not rebuildable. Oh, really? They were, they were the way they were made. They were already machined so thin. Everything was like a borderline maximum right from the get-go. Yep. So, and they were aluminum. They were kind of their own, kind of a weird engine, but they were basically non-rebuildable engines and well, she had it rebuilt twice. So they were, they were a Chevy, but they weren't really a uh, Chevy. It said when you open the door, there was a plaque inside the door jam that said made by Suzuki Motor Company for General Motors. That's right. Yeah. yeah it was a deal with them. Yeah. The, uh, Suzuki had a version of it too. And I, I just can't. It's Swift. Swift. That's yeah. it. Swift. Yeah. yeah. So I think they were like they were Japanese little cars, I guess. You know. Yeah, but, they basically like, but, like like Suzuki made the tracker as well because yeah. Suzuki Sidekick was the Suzuki version of that, and they were virtually identical. That's right. That's so, right. I mean, that was a they did, and GM was probably smart to do it because to to, to tool a factory to build those little cheap little cars, they never made any real no. money. No. So That's they were right. all brought over on a boat, made in 
Japan. Japan. I think it was Japan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. made in Japan, Japan and, and yeah. you know, like, and you know what? They were they were cheaply made cars, and they lasted as long as they probably should have lasted. You know what, Darren? We're gonna have to leave it right there for this moment, but we're gonna continue this podcast next week. Next week, we're calling it "Go Out and Buy an Old Car" because Darren and I are gonna talk about exactly how much fun it is to drive an old car these days. Thanks for joining me today and listening to Bald Tires because when you make great memories, you make bald tires.